you go. Let me take one last sip. This is not my last one. Do you like my mug? Yeah, you're super hot. My wife got it for me. It's wow. pink, which I try, have trouble seeing. Yeah, it's white to my eyes, but maybe right. My- Thank you. She insists. Anyway, that's not a Zoom debate we can really have, you know. Nar. Gus, what's up, dude? Hey, what's up? <laughs> How are you, uh, you doing, man? Good. I haven't, I haven't like properly talked to you in a really long time, but we know each I other. Know. That's what makes this kind of dramatic and exciting. Is like I haven't connected with you in so long that that's happening live. Right. And, that's true. And, and being recorded. Yeah, and, and we're gonna let everybody watch it. Yeah. Um, that's true. It is different, but as kind of the dynamic that I, I, man, I've really set up a thing that I like. It's not for everybody, but it's for me. Cause I love this. Like we're on the hot spot to get to know each other again right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's kind of your king. you like it being is. And thank you for going on the journey with me. Yeah. No, um, um, no. So let me give, I'll give a little context to anybody who might be listening to this just because I usually, before we really get into it, I like to lay out a little bit of how if at all, I know somebody before we talk, just so that they know, like, kind of where I'm coming from, in in talking about you uh, and to you. Um, I have a really, in my mind, in my heart, I have a really cool relationship with you, man, and I, I think of you very highly for a couple of reasons that are very specific and selfish to me, um, but they're still compliments, uh, so I'm going to give them to you. Um, so you're in the class of 2010 in drama. In Mm -hmm. directing specifically, right? Acting, directing is, of course, our program uh, puts on the on the label. So, uh, my the whole reason that I went to school the arts, and he was just on the show a couple episodes ago, uh, is Brandon Harris, who was also in your class. And so that's really how I got to know you right away. You were one of Brandon's classmates when I first moved to school. And also you guys were transitioning right when I moved to Winston. You were going from the second to the third year. So you were really going into the directing program, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know shit about before I got there and ended up being my like, what's on my diploma too. And so I got there and I and I got to kind of observe very secondhand because I live with two of your classmates, Ryan Rowitz and Brandon Harris. Uh, we were roommates. And um, so I'm really kind of like adjacent to the class of 2010 for the whole second half that you guys are there because they're coming home every day telling me about class and what happened in this scene and all this. So I'm like, I'm like a background extra for this class and I'm watching you guys from a distance and you and your fellow directing students. So uh, let me see if I get this right. Bryn Harris, Robbie Lutfi, Bryant Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I'm missing one because there's five, right? Yeah. The real oh, man. of the class, Henry Williamson. Of course, who I who I really did uh, have a great relationship with the school. I can't believe it. I, he escaped me. He must yeah. have frantically ran out of my mind. Um, but you guys had a very um, a very interesting class of directors, and you're really the ones who introduced me to the program. I got to know what it was and it led me to being in it. I was in uh, Bryn's third year directing scene as an actor. Uh, yeah, weird, right? That was my first time like in the drama school doing a thing. So you and I were like adjacent, but I never really got to know you super well. And we just sort of saw each other around, I feel like, but I always enjoyed anything I saw you involved in, man. I mean, that whole directing class, really, I had a little like little crush on, if I'm being honest, a little creative crush because watching you guys grow and do all the vastly different things that you all worked on. Um, 
was really cool for me. But I, again, I never really feel like I ever sat down me and Gus and like this ever yeah. really got to know each other. It was very much like a parties and social scene thing. Totally. Um, so I'm super excited uh, to really get to talk to you one-on-one and I'll start with what is my only stock question on at the elephants, which is where are you from? Mm. Like spiritually or physically? <laughs> you can start with uh, either one, but I'd love to hear both. Okay. Um, I grew up in Mill Valley, California. So okay. that's the second town north after you get off the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Okay. And yeah, that's it. That's where I, that's where I'm from. Did you did you live there the whole time, like until North Carolina, or were yeah. you moving around? Or no, no moving around. My dad's family's fifth generation San Franciscan, or I'm I'm fifth generation San Franciscan, so it goes way back. Whoa. I have yeah. a little bit of that. I, I'm in Texas kind of the same way. My family goes like way, way back. And people like yeah. you, I, and which is weird when you move around, but you're still from a general area. Do, I mean, yeah. do you, do you tech. still, you've been in New York for a long time though, right? Hey, you know, uh, fairly long. I, it'll be seven years this summer. Do you um, still go back to San Francisco? Yeah. Area? yeah. Yeah. I'm very close to my family. My brother still lives there. Um, I was just there all of January. Yeah. Oh, great. For like six weeks. So yeah, I try and go back as much as I can because I love it there um, for many reasons, but mostly because I'm really close to my family. So I still go back. But yeah, I left after high school for whatever reason. I grew up in a really fucking incredibly beautiful place that was extremely privileged and like great school. And somehow was like, I have to get out of California. Like, I need to see the world. And so I was like, I think when I was like eight years old, I was watching the Tar Heels play with my dad. And I was like, I'm going to that school. I love those uniforms. Like that baby blue is cute. Michael Jordan went here. You've got to be kidding me. And then I actually went to North Carolina. But I auditioned for a bunch of schools, but then I ended up there. And I was really stoked to go somewhere totally different than where I'd grown up. Um, and I still love North Carolina. So, And you were the only person in your directing class of the five that came from the acting program. The rest of them yeah. were all transfers, right? Like four yeah. totally new people and you yeah. who had been with the class for two years. Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah. They were, and they were all, Robbie's like a little, he's like two years older than me, a year. I don't know how old Robbie is, but the rest of them were like significantly older than me too. So they had some age on me, um, which definitely contributed to my experience. It was both really thrilling to like have people walk into the school who had totally different life experience and like actually had life experience because the rest of us were just fucking kids right. and had not done anything in the world. But these were folks who had like actually hit pavement a little bit and like mm-hmm. got roughed up. And so Henry a- had a kid. Henry had a kid. Yeah. This is not no. a bunch of 22 year olds in directing class. No, 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 they weren't playing. And so they, they also like, I think there was like, they knew why they were in that room too. Like there was a more intentionality. Like we experience now when like our friends go to grad school, like these folks like knew why they were there. Whereas like, I kind of knew as much as a 16 year old or 17 year old decides they're going to go to an acting school. Like what the fuck? Right. So I think, yeah, that was, it was wild. Cause they were, 
I think hitting the ground with a little bit more assuredness of who they were. And I definitely didn't have that. So I was, I spent a lot of the time in the directing class, pretty befuddled and like, (laughs) how do you have a point of view about stuff? Like, I don't, I just figured out how to like put a dick in my mouth for the first time. (laughs) Like this is cool. So I think, yeah. And so many of them had had dicks in their mouths for so long. Right. That so many of them had, they had a out different lived experience. Than, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they passed that on to me. Like they certainly shared their experience and like, I'm really grateful to them as gay mentors. Um, but yeah. So yeah, that was where I came from. And then that's where I landed in that class. Um, what was that decision? Because this is a thing that's very specific and I don't get to talk to people a lot about this. I kind of mentioned to you before, I usually don't talk too much about school, but there's a very specific drama school thing that I do want to ask you about, because again, like I just said, you're one of the people who had this experience for the time that Gerald ran the school yeah. for the bulk of it. If for anybody listening who doesn't know, the structure was it was an acting program. And then at the end of the second year, there was this option to go from acting into an acting directing hybrid program that he created. And there were occasionally people who would transfer in from other schools with either half an education or maybe even a whole bachelor's degree already from somewhere else. And they would start at that third year and transfer like all the people that we just talked about. But there's a specific experience of these people who, when you were, however old you were when you started the bachelor's program, you're like, I'm going to go be an actor, right? You didn't have a a directing trajectory at all. And then at some point you end up switching to this like double major thing. That's a very small, there were five people in your directing class. And historically in that particular program, that was massive. He almost never had that many people. Sometimes it was only two. The first class Many classes had two directors. You guys had five. That was crazy. So you're going into this niche, but you're still getting to go to acting class, but you're not going as many dancing and singing classes. There's some, there's some changes. You're not in the plays. You're at the director's table. What was that process like for you? What was the conversations like that led you to make that choice? Were you pushed in that direction or what? Like I've heard so many versions of the story. I'm just very interesting, interested in yours because now that Gerald's not in charge, it's like, that time is over where people are making that exact choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's experience of it is so unique too, because like you said, coming into the program, you didn't know anything about a directing program. And that was the same for me. I went to this school, like I was an actor. I auditioned for schools. I was like, I'm going to be on HBO. I'm going to be this. Like I do you ever directed anything? I directed stuff because I went to like a cool high school where you could do that. And like, mm. it was fun, but I was like, whatever, like, that's not nearly as fun as performing. Right. I don't like what, like the joy is in managing people. Like, <laughs> and like, obviously I wasn't like realizing incredible designs in high school. It was like, all my shows looked ugly. So I was like, what's sure. cool about this? So yeah, I think cut to that second year, Gerald sat me down and was like, so I think I'm going to encourage, I don't remember the exact wording, but how my 18 year old self heard it and how I remember it now in this 34 year old body is like, you have, you have an eye for something bigger than just performing. And I think you should go into the directing program. So it was phrased to me as like, I think like this is an avenue for you. So I thought there was like an option here, which is like, 
sort of how you just described it that and this was kind of the 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 narrative at school was like there's an option for this track i went away for a bit completely crumbled was like what the fuck i was like what does this mean about what he thinks is me of, of as a performer because of course i have no confidence at this point as an actor mm. because you're in drama school and like any fucking modal of confidence you have has been shredded away whether in the face of your classmates or by teachers or by just being an insecure 19 year old and so i was like well wait this makes no sense i don't have any concept of what a director does or like what that career looks like so no was my first reaction no i want to like do a showcase that's why i came partly to the school was like to do that shit so but then i sat with it and i was like okay cool so i'm I'm talking to someone who's been in the theater for 60 years and like i'm 18 what the hell do i know and a little bit of what you were saying like i'm gonna get all these tools i get to keep taking acting classes so like maybe i should just do this and find out and it was not easy. I was like really fucking miserable. And Jared, Gerald would tell you this if he was still alive. Like I pushed back all fucking every single day of those two years in that directing program. I had full meetings with him where I was like, I want to go back and acting. I don't like this. This is not for me because mm. I just wasn't, I didn't feel like naturally connected to it. Whatever the thing he saw in me that I had, I was like, where is it? Cause like, I'm not mm. feeling excited. I don't, I'm not wrapping my head around these ideas compounded with being in a room full of four people who intentionally were there to learn directing and were like fired up to be there for directing. And meanwhile, all the classmates that I've built relationships with for two years are like finally getting to put stuff on stage and like perform, which is the shit we wanted to do. And I'm like, you know, sitting in a conference room, like reading art books. And I was like, this sucks. Sure, (laughs) dude. and assistant directing people. I was like, so I'm like a uh, fucking like, I'm like a note taker. Like, right. what the hell is this? There's nothing yeah. weird about this. So that was part of my experience. And that was the majority of my experience was like a lot of resistance and a lot of frustration while I was at school. And not well, how did the conversations and I just want to pause here before we get farther. Yeah. How did the conversations go with Jerry when you're like, oh, I want so- out? So not well, he, that's when I figured out that this thing about it being an option is absolutely not the case. He was like, no, you're a director. You, there's no place for you in the acting program anymore. It was, was it was do the directing program or your cut. That's yeah. Essentially is what I was hearing. This was unspoken, but it felt like like that was, yeah, this is like midway through my third year. So at this point he's like, there's no going back. And that's when I was like, well, wait, then I misunderstood what was happening. And I started to feel really like fucked up because all the teachers were like at once saying like, you're an incredible actor. My classmates were really receptive and were like encouraged my acting abilities. But then I was also getting this messaging of like, but you can't actually do this. You have to be a director. And so that conversation like went nowhere. Like I was just ended in frustration and had to keep moving forward in the directing program. Okay. Um, And then there's, you know, there's a side of this too. Like it wasn't all painful and awful. Like I was still pushing for it and like trying to learn and I was taking acting classes. So I was like fun. I was in drama school, whatever, but uh, and like, I didn't feel connected to any of the fucking, like my final project there was, god awful i'm like embarrassed to even think about it now and like i'm I'm so sorry can you remind me because i know i saw it 
Yeah, it was a production of True West that was so oh, bad. Yeah, I remember I that. I don't agree that it was that bad, but I totally understand you feeling that way. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just totally insecure. I was like guessing. I was like, I don't understand anything I've learned and like how to put it into practice. Okay. I like abandoned the actors. I didn't know how to talk to actors. Anyway, so okay. that was happening. And then cut to this is part of this this story. And this gets to like bigger, longer term relationship to directing and acting in my own fucking identity, basically. Right. Uh, Gerald, I came back to North Carolina and directed a show in Raleigh at the Contemporary Art Museum in 2016. I went to Winston. This is when Jerry's starting to like, you know, he's like, he's like there, but he's like slowly disappearing where you're like, is he, does he remember me? It was that era where he would like someday be like, who are you? I left finally Winston in 2015 was the last time I saw him. And like, and I saw him and I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And so we had this really rugged ass conversation. I went and visited him and it was clear that he wasn't going to come see the show, which like, you know, I'm just like, so much of my experience in reflection was like, all I needed was fucking validation from any of these authority figures to be like, you're good, keep going. And so like, even after six years of being out of school, I found myself in this position where I was proud of the thing I was making. I'd like figured out, I was, you know, the long story, like I started, I made a career directing after I left school. And so here I am making a show in Raleigh and I was like, somewhat proud of it, wanting him to come see it because it was in North Carolina. He wasn't going to come because of health stuff. And then he said this thing that I'm sh- I'm sure was partly due to his health condition, but hit so hard for me where he was like, do you remember when you first came to school? And I was like, uh, and I was like, where are we going with this? I was like, right. Was, in what context you like, I had like cute Levi's on, like, what, what, what are we doing? Right. And he was like, no, do you remember? And I was like, yeah, I like did this. And he's like, no, 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 no. You were completely untalented. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I didn't know what to do with you. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, and you were like really excited, but like, I had no idea what to do with you. And then you kind of like went into the directing program and I just put you there, but like, now look at you, da, da, da. And he did the like Gerald, da, da, da. Right, right, right. You're directing a play was the kind of like, you did it. And I almost like you proved me wrong. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But like this, like other truth came out, what I thought was truth that hadn't been spoken, which was like, oh, from the beginning, you just thought I was not useful. And like, as I say this to you now, I'm just like, wow, even fucking caring and trying to like make an agreement around what this person thinks is so toxic and unhealthy to an artist and speaks to a larger thing that I have about BFA programs in general and why I don't actually really encourage anyone to go to them anymore when they talk to me about these schools. But I, yeah, that took a lot of work to unpack that and how angry I was at him. Um, and how, yeah, it just took a long time for me to recover my own sense of artistry. And it's only now that I actually see myself as an actor and a performer and a writer and a director. I do a bunch of shit. And that school had a lot of information they needed to tell me about who I was that I found to be just a bunch of detritus that then I spent a lot of my late twenties and thirties clearing away to be like, wait, 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 wait. When I started doing this, when I was 16, I was having a lot of fun. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not having fun anymore in a lot of these areas now. So right. I think it was all part of the journey, but yeah, it spoke to that part of, I wish it had been more explicit at the time that like, Hey, look, you actually don't have an option. Like you suck if that's what the vibe was or like, you're not, because then I could have made a really distinct choice in that moment and been like, Oh, I need to go somewhere else. Cause I still want this. Or mm. I would have, I don't know how I would behave differently. And like, I don't regret any part of it because like my experience is my experience and it led me to where I am now, which, and I'm really happy. So like, I wouldn't, I don't know what the alternative would have been. Um, and I can't know, but I do know that I made a lot of agreements with myself based on those conversations that I was just like, Oh, I need to let those go because a mm-hmm. hey, Jerry, if you were alive now and talking to me, you'd be like, I said, what? Like, you right, probably, probably. remember yeah. that. Who knows if he even knew who he was talking to in that instant. The, the, but the important thing is, is I knew what he was talking about and I took it to heart and wanted to believe that and wanted to like wreck myself over it. Assign significance to his words, whether it was there or not. Yeah. So it was a big moment when he, I remember when he passed and I, I was, you know, reflecting on him and his life and there was still like, so much anger there that I was embarrassed about, obviously, because you don't want to be like angry at a person who gave you so much. And like, I had a wonderful relationship with him, but I was like, Oh, this is all on me. This is my shit. Like, this has nothing to do with Jerry and he's now gone. So like, are you going to keep living this way just because you want to like keep this alive? No. So yeah, it was, it was wild. And now, you know, I am directing and directing in a very successful way. Um, that I'm really satisfied with. So I did finally much later come around to all those things that he saw in me. He was right. Like there are, there's a big part of me that knows how to direct and he saw it early. I couldn't see it. And that's, you know, something that I think has always been true of his teaching is like, he drops shit on you and you just like have to sponge it and wait and it's fucking painful. And then you finally come around to it. Gus, that is such a, it's such a great story. And in a weird way, it, man, I don't want, I don't want to give the dude any more credit than he already has. He has plenty, but in that regard, the way you tell the story and it comes that full circle thing of like, you've had such a roller coaster of real, of a relationship, uh, emotionally to your work as it has changed. And so many people have told you, this is who Gus is. And to hear you say now, at the end, dude, you ended up the fucking double major that you were. Despite all of your complicated feelings about it, you have talent as an actor. You have talent as a director. Those are facts. It is proof in your work. It is proof in now how you see your own artistry. And so who knows, man, of course, man, a thought like that from him about the untalented thing would wreck me for about a year and a half, at least. Yeah. I would be, I would be on that every single day. Yeah. Oh, I was. (laughs) And I was in in therapy, (laughs) but bro, you have such a, you clearly have such a, a healthy relationship to all of this now. I mean, it's for you to determine that, but just hearing the way you talk about it, I can, I can only imagine having this conversation with you five years ago. 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, as we talk about, I realize it's like, that's why I don't, it's like, like regret or like, would I have changed it? Like, there's no way, like, cause every single person, whether they went to school of the arts or 
Oberlin or went and worked at McDonald's, like these revelations and experiences and your relationship to yourself is always evolving. If you choose to put your attention on it, you can also fucking ignore it and go, you know, dive into substances or something else that's more interesting. But I think that's why I'm like, yeah, it's not like Gerald gave me a particular experience. It's like, I got to have watched, take the ride with the experience with myself and, you know, learn pretty quickly. Like, Oh, I've got whatever this bug is. Like, I can't not be an artist. I'm going to have to do this. So we're going to have to figure out what it is and do it the way I want to do it. And so I'm thankful to him for that. I also think like, you know, he shared with me really personal shit and like, he was not dissimilar to me. So I understand where a lot of his frustration with me came That's from true. Where a lot of his own, like pushing me or put being nasty to me is like, this is the thing about drama school. Like the teachers are all artists who then went and were teachers. So there's a fair amount of resentment they have against the industry, against themselves for, you know, teaching. And did they want to teach? Yeah. But like, they also didn't get to do all the things they want to do. And Gerald was certainly one of those people. Like, I think his singing is fucking fascinating to me because I'm like, oh, you really wanted to be this. And it's this thing that only comes out when we're like memorializing you. But like, what happened there? Where did you get fucking punctured? And where did you stop believing in yourself? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's not my work to do, but like, I just think it's. But the questions are fascinating to ask. And And especially now since you can't ask him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where he would be on it. Like, I don't know how how investigative he was on that because I think he did a lot of work to protect that. And, but dude, you know that that's what, that's why I do this show. And that first of all, this is one, I'm going to say this and I've said this like a few times. I hope it never hurts anybody else's feelings. This is one of my favorite episodes that I've done in a while because I really, I, I I am so close to you in my experience, and yet I know so little. And this points out a few things that I love when they come up on this show. The number one thing that is fascinating to me is when I talk to other people about their college experience, as obviously anyone who knows anything about a conservatory experience, especially a drama school, you talk to other people who would go like a regular BFA program or a liberal arts school, and it feels so different. And one of the differences that you feel is like, wow, we are really vulnerable. We're really all telling each other the fuck that we think and what we've been through. And we're sharing all our experiences in this very raw thing. You guys are like going to math class together. So it feels like we're so exposed. And you know what I've learned is that no matter how much you feel that way, you know nothing you know yeah. nothing about what anyone's... Dude, I've known you for a long time. I think to myself, I kind of know, Gus. I was watching you have the experience you just described. Like I was right there. And I didn't know any of this shit yeah. about how you felt. Because yeah. even though we're right there with these people and we're doing drugs with them and we're in class with them, crying with them, we're doing all this like bonding and exposing ourselves in this deep vulnerability, we, you still don't know what anybody is going through, especially the faculty or your superiors, because just like your parents and your other teachers growing up, we put this layer of like, they're not like us. They're fucking adults. You know, they're, they're, they're these, uh, 
two-dimensional things that are in service of the need that we are here for. And I don't think it's so bad that children default to that or even young adults. I think it's okay. It's a, it's a good way for it to be at, at school. It's already kind of over the line college-wise that we called them Matt and Caroline and Mary and Gerald. That alone is like, you called what? <laughs> by their first. So we're already like in each other's business in a way a lot of people aren't doing it, but we still never knew what was really going on with any of them. And yeah. they only knew so much what was really going on with any of us. I, I think that that's, that's fascinating. And, and I never get tired of, of digging into the stories. And I love the why I say it's one of my favorite episodes is I love the full circle things and the investigation inward to find out where you're supposed to be and to try to feel okay about it and to feel like you're doing the right thing. I mean, Gus, I would love to get your take on this because this is something I think about all the time. You, you mentioned before you almost discourage people or maybe do discourage people who are young from these BFA programs for a number of the reasons I think anyone listening this far in can, can deduce. But let me ask you this because I had a great experience. You had a rough experience. We had almost the exact same training like identical almost because it's conservatory. We did almost the exact same shit. Yeah. But we had totally different experiences because we're different people from different places. Are there things that you could do to adjust the way we educate young people in this niche part of society art that would make that kind of intense and focused education more valuable and more specifically uh, make them a little more ready for it. And the thing I've proposed is I don't think they'd be pissed about this. Cause it's like a Jerry Maguire thing where I'm like less money, but <laughs> I'm like, the rule should be, you can't go to a 70, 80 hour a week program right out of high school. You're not allowed. You have to go do anything else, anything, get a job, go to community college. We don't give a fuck, but you cannot graduate in May and come to this conservatory in fucking August. It's not a good idea. Take a break. You've been doing nothing but looking at your grades for 13 fucking years, whether you did good or bad. Take a fucking break. Go be a person, be an adult for like 20 minutes. Then if you still think you can do this, and let's be honest about how hard it is, then you can come. Mm -hmm. What do you, what's your take on that? What do you think? Cause you went to directing program with four people who did that or way longer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm exactly in your camp. That's my philosophy. That's what I say to everyone. It does, I don't care. It's, this is a cultural, an American cultural thing. It's less about BFA or not BFA. We're so fucking obsessed with education and like starting and not like asking a single question about ourselves or having an experience of the world. I think that's unanimous across the board for college in general. I wished if that's the only thing I wish for myself is that I had like whatever it meant at that point to me of what pursuing being an actor or comedian would be for me at 18. I wish I had just gone and done it for two years and like worked at an ice cream shop to hustle and make sure I did it just to see if like what it's like, like get your fucking face smashed in a couple times, get yelled at on a street, step in fucking dog shit, learn how to like pay an electric bill. Like there's just, yeah, the whole thing is fucking psycho to me that we like, 
race off to these like, you know, extremely competitive and great schools with like people investing large amounts of time and like, and I'm money. Sitting, yeah. And like, you're signing yeah, away your fucking life in six figures at 18 for something that might destroy you psychologically. Yeah. And you might spend a year and decide you're okay with that. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, I mean, there's nothing, there's a reason why so many of our peers, like not so much now, but like four years ago, you know, that 28 to 30 cap when everyone was applying to Yale school of drama, myself included, like we all go pursue higher ed one, one part, because we're like feeling unstable in the business. And we think that, Oh, if I just go to another drama school, it'll solve this aching thing I have in me that says like, I'm good at this. And Jonathan just made it so much worse. (laughs) Jonathan Jonathan just fucking (laughs) catastrophized the whole exercise of it. Like I love him so much. I really do. I really love Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. From now on. But also like, I think the other thing it speaks to is like why we're compelled to do that is because like, finally you've had some therapy, like worked a serving job or whatever job you've worked. And you're like, Oh, okay. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to like use my butt for sex without like screaming. I know how to like have a girlfriend or have a boyfriend or like not. Now I'm ready to like, just relax and go to school. I'm like, if I had been at school of the arts and like not been thinking about like, how much lube do I need to put on my butt before it doesn't hurt? Like right. what would I have soaked in? Because metaphorically I I was, and literally. Exactly. What would I have soaked in? How much dick would I have taken in? Right. But instead I'm like, you know, taking notes in my moleskin, like every single thing that was said. And it's like, yeah, like, hope this works. And so, yeah, I do. I mean, there's nothing better than like, I don't, I'm all for like pursuing more and more education wherever you can, but like falling into that trap. And that's why I just ask questions when young people are calling, they're like, okay, so my nine schools I'm auditioning for. And I'm like, wait, why are you doing this? And then it comes out and they're like, so I actually really like law and like, I'm interested in law. I'm like, great, go have an experience. Like go get fucked up at university of Denver, take law classes, take acting classes. If you want to be an actor, Still, when you're 21, um, honey, like now more than ever, you do not need to be going to one of these schools in order to do that. Because some of, you know, the best actors, my favorite actors to work with are not BFA trained actors. There are right. people who just wanted to be actors and have like figured out a craft of their own and I meet them halfway. Now, that's also says like I have an awesome craft that I'm able to like meet them and I understand how to speak a million different languages in it. But yeah, I mean the whole thing is just berserk and probably goes back to money at the end of the day. A lot of it does. And that okay, so here's my last kind of follow-up on that, just that point, yeah. which is okay, you're in these conversations, let's say, with this, you know, hypothetical 17-year-old who's like, I'm going to go to Unifieds and do all this stuff, right? Yeah. What do you, what would you say? Just could kind of have this devil's advocate conversation when they come back, you're like, spend a year, do something else, whatever. You make that point, then they come back with, but the momentum, Gus. I've been, I don't, I'm worried I'm gonna drop the 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 ball here because I've been going and going and going and doing well. And I'm worried if I spend a year off, I'm gonna slow down. Maybe I'll get fat. Maybe I won't maybe I won't be as good of a singer because I haven't been singing every day in class or whatever. And they're worried about the break costing them the momentum that they've built 
as a teenager and as, you know, an artist up to that point. I would say if that happens, you just got excellent, excellent information way sooner than you could have ever hoped to get it, which is if, if you, by the end of this one year off, you are not galvanized or like haven't hit some momentum, then baby, you should definitely do something else, which is really great information because that one year you are going to stop for a year. You're going to stop for like two years. You're going to fucking fully spin out for months at a time constantly until you die doing this. That is just part of, that is like something that you have to accept and it's a long time to make peace with. But even if you do, you know, sign with what the fuck is his face at Abrams that we all like needed to sign with, like chances are you're going to have a really big dip like six months after that where like nothing's happening. So that's just the nature of it. And I think, I think that's just the wider sensibility. Like I come from a point of view that like, I think all of us are artists, every human being, if we want to be, I think we've like fucked ourselves up by like doing these, like, well, I'm an artist professionally, which like, I get it. It's true. But like, what I mean by that is like, I think we all have access to creativity, whether you have that sort of natural tendency to just keep revisiting it over and over, regardless if you're getting paid or not, you just keep obsessing, then that's really good information to be you have. If you're only interested in doing it when there's like a paycheck on the table and like a million people watching, good luck. I don't know if it'll last, but like have fun for, until that burns out and let it burn out. And that's great. Cause then you like did it, you scratched the itch. So I guess that's what I'd say. Like, yeah, go live for a year. And if you find out that like, you're not thinking about about musical theater after six months and you're actually only thinking about advertising and marketing. That's awesome. Like, yeah, don't be so fucking hard on yourself about that. That, that is great news. That's not bad news. That's great news. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, sure. You can like mourn the loss of like this dream you had that maybe you thought you'd be an actor, but like, sorry, babe, you were 16 and in high school and everyone, everyone who does a play in high school and like, someone says like, you were amazing in that, Rob, like that little kid is going to be like, okay, I guess I'm going to Broadway. It's like, yeah, (laughs) everyone in high school whose mom sees them in a play is like, you were awesome. So right. Cause they're nice people. Yeah. Um, The other thing I think I just want to add my own two cents on that. Cause I totally agree with everything you said. And it was a little bit of a leading question, but I was curious how you were going to put it, which is like, you just got great information early. I love that. Um, I agree. And I also think the other thing is like, you don't have to decide what you can do or what you, who you are forever, ever. You never yeah. at any point in your life have to be like, and this is what I can do and will do. Like you want to be an actor in your fucking forties, mm-hmm. just do it. Like give yeah. it a shot. You don't have to. You, and that's the big thing that I have learned from talking to so many people on this show. And I think something of breaking that momentum, reassessing and going back at it helps with that, but doesn't automatically mean you don't have this problem, which is you go to a conservatory and it's teaching you how to do one specific thing all the time. And if you get out and you don't do that exact thing for the rest of your life, you're this huge failure. Whether anyone wants to articulate it that way, so many people feel that either on a conscious or subconscious level. And I think that we just have to be more open to the fact 
that all we're ever talking, maybe all the fucking the pandemic stuff and all this crazy stuff, how fast everything's going. Maybe that'll help people understand. Just think about right now for a little while. There's such thing as like, yeah, contribute to your IRA or whatever, if you can, you know, whatever, try to save money. But long-term, you don't have to have a 40-year plan for your life. And if you're an artist, don't bother. Just go with it, man. Try Mm -hmm. to to have some foresight, make a little three-year plan, don't pitch a fit when you have to throw it in the garbage because it didn't go that way and just do a new thing. One of my favorite stories ever is Lewis Black, the comedian. Mm-hmm. Didn't pop as a comedian until his hair was fully gray. Spent a full lifetime career trying to be a playwright. He wrote wow. a lot of plays and wow. just went and went and went, but he couldn't make a fucking living at it. And he was clearly a smart, articulate, funny person, but it yeah. just didn't hit. He started doing stand-up, and before long, he's on The Daily Show every other fucking week because it turns out his skill set, when tweaked, was actually a little bit better at that. Yeah, And he didn't learn it until he was middle-aged. Yeah. And I think that we should all leave ourselves room to have a Lewis Black-type experience where we all go, you know, I've been doing this for a while, either worked or didn't work. Either one can lead to, I'm done with that shit. I'm going to go do yeah. this. Why not? Totally. Totally. Speaking yeah. of which, how's the TikTok thing going, man? I heard you're, I don't have TikTok. I have to ask my wife about it, but I've been told <laughs> things are going well for you. You log on through Safari. You don't, <laughs> you don't have a login. You just check it out. I know. Uh, I just call my wife over. I'm like, what did, how's, how's that going over there for my buddy? Yeah. What's up with that? Um, TikTok is one of the most vile things to have to listen to your partner watch while you're not watching like the soundscape of tiktok is so fucked and dark and different for everybody yeah and it's just like i mean it's what's fascinating it's going well to answer your question i'm doing very well i'm really enjoying myself on there um really unlocking the algorithm uh but uh tiktok's fascinating because it's just returned to tv like we used to you're old enough to know like right. we used to lay on the couch and you could just like change channels and it, that's what you did. And it there was something right. on every channel. It wasn't like select a show and we're going to watch last of us tonight. It was like, watch whatever the hell's on. And TikTok is a return to that because you're just flicking channels. Only the, the people creating the TV shows now are just idiots all over the country who have no, no real point of view, nothing to share except an amalgamation of what they've seen on the internet condensed in their video so it's it's fascinating i love it um i think it's i think it's also gonna push us back into premium cable i think we're having a return to premium cable very shortly i read an article about uh how short-sighted it is for everyone to be like wow we're done with that business model and if you just look at the history of television it's cyclical we've already done this yeah we did this when premium cable came out that's that streaming now was like HBO then. Yes. And then we will always go back to it. It's, it's like genius marketing because they yeah. can resell it every time as a novel thing because they have new people that's like, there's 20 year olds who are like, what? A it bundle? takes generations to get tired of something. And then they just sell us the one we forgot about. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. But yeah, I'm having a good, Good time on TikTok and Instagram. I use both platforms. I've seen um, in the Instagrams and I imagine it's the similar content. Can I tell you my two favorite things? Yeah. 
I would love that. I am a huge fan of the uh, the choreographer act outs under Thank different you. circumstances. Yeah. Uh, totally. Not only my time at school, but I also, and I don't know if you know this, but I got into the like reality dance world, like reality God, TV. I feel like you did tell me about this. I yeah. went on like six seasons of like Dancing with the Stars. And I did So You Think You Can Holy Dance shit. and all these things. So I... As soon as I left school, I had a little gap, but then I went right back into rehearsal rooms, baby. <laughs> Even yeah. though I wasn't in theater, I was watching people fucking in dance rehearsals every fucking day. Whoa. And they're so on point, man. I know so mm, many people who are like these professional dancers for their whole entire existence. And you just, you really, really nail that character. It's so funny. Yeah, I know. And that. then I love the cats. The, 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 the conversations yeah. with the cats about like what I did while you were gone. Yeah, thank you. Love that shit. Yeah, the man. cats slap. There's a big cat audience in the world. I didn't know about, that, but I've tapped tapped them. Dude, um, the cat audience is part of why the internet started off so successfully. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's cat so videos were like the first thing. Yeah, cat girls. Cat girls love to be on the internet and quietly sharing videos. That's definitely a mainstay in their culture. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. The choreographer stuff is fun. I mean, all of it's really fun. I think, you know, it's been a very fun, uh, playful, imperfect, creative practice for me to just fucking make shit. I think part of my frustration, and maybe you relate to this. I've always, I've long been frustrated being a director with the fact that in order to do what I feel like is my job, it takes like, 18 emails and like GCAL coordination with the stage manager. And then we have to raise $52,000 and then we have to get a rehearsal hall. And like, only then do I get to begin to like work on the play with some actors. It's like the, the amount of like work it takes just, and then, I mean, not even talking about trying you and I trying to get into an institution impossible, like, well, not going to happen. So I think, having a fucking camera and these platforms as it were, where like people will willfully watch me in my apartment. It's been great because I liked, I always was like, I wish I was a painter so I could roll out of bed and just start painting and I didn't have to have money to do it necessarily or like people right. around, but unfortunately that's not my thing. So yeah, it's been really fun. So I appreciate you watching. Thank you. I do. And I do relate to what you're saying about directing and, and Gus, my story is even shorter, which is like, as soon as I got out of school, as much as I've always been a theater dork since I was like 11 years old, I've never been a theater nerd. And the distinction that I make is when I say theater dork, I mean, I love to do it and I love being in the theater and I love theater people. And I love being at the rehearsals and all that stuff and making the plays, but I've never been a theater nerd in that. I don't know what's on Broadway. I don't know what's at the regional. Th I've never paid any attention. I don't watch the Tonys. I hate awards anyway, but I don't, yeah. I don't watch any of it. And I've never had my finger on the pulse. Yeah. I know the most obscure shit about movies and TV. Cause that's what I grew up with access to. So I, that's yeah. what I was passionate about. When I left school, of the arts with a degree in theater directing, I already knew I wanted to do TV. Mm -hmm. I, I just knew it. And I asked Carl Forsman at the time who had just become the Dean, like 20 minutes before that. He, he was going around the table. I've told this story too many times, but he's like, what do you want to do? I was like, TV. He's like, sorry. He gave everyone else in my directing class like advice because they had theater things they wanted to do. Um, but I wanted to do TV. And the reason I'm drawn to it is not just because I've always been a nerd about it, but it's that, Gus. It's that 
I don't like begging people to come. I don't like, I don't like the desperation I feel when I'm trying to produce theater. It feels so desperate to me. And I got a little glimpse of it because even though I left, as soon as I graduated, I, I worked in the theater for one month. I did a, I did a play with Matt Cowart in the city and Isaac Klein. And then after that, I got a job at Comedy Central and I've done almost no theater since then. A little yeah. bit. I went back to Winston for a little bit, did some stuff. But other than that, I've been in a TV guy since I graduated. Yeah. And I I got a little glimpse because I started a comedy club in Austin, Texas on accident. Long story. But it, I had all these flashbacks of like, I'm begging people, please fucking come to this thing. I'm making posters. I got to get people in the fucking building. All yeah. that stress for me is it not fun. I don't yeah. like any of that shit. I want a stellar PR and stage management team to just do it. And I want to show up and be the creative genius. That's yeah. my dream. But you know, that's, that's not how live stuff goes. It's such a, it's such a hustle and I'm, I'm so grateful, but also worked hard to cultivate uh, relationships with institutions because of that. It's one of the reasons I love school of the arts. They told me where to go. I didn't have to pick mm -hmm. a class. I didn't have to just tell me what the fuck to do. I thrive a little bit in a good system that tells yeah. me, gives me direction. Totally. And working on franchise TV, I prefer it, man. I'd rather do that. But then every now and then I miss the shit out of the theater and I want to work in a real fucking space with actors and not reality TV stars. And it's, it's a back and forth. But overall, I feel pretty good about the choice. I, I like... I Dude, like the I fact that it's set up. I admire your choice. Only now am I like, whoa, wake up. I got to go make film and TV right now because this is not going to work making little live shows in New York City. It's hard as fuck. It really yeah. is. A, and I both respect it, but I also am like, I respect it because I'm like, just like living in New York, I'm like, someone's got to do it. Not this guy. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. Someone's got to pay that rent. Someone gotta be there. has to be willing. You got to yeah. ride that subway. They'll shut it down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 and then, so I have a lot of respect is my point for the people who still do that work, whether you want to keep doing it or not. If you, if you're trying to do live theater, which of course I know is so fucking important. I mean, I've never lost that perspective. I just don't, I don't have the patience for it. And I also didn't grow up. Unfortunately, the theater business, as we know, is designed to be to employ and to be inhabited by people of privilege because it's not set up to pay people well it's not set up for you to make a comfortable living or raise a family and trying to do theater it's just not it's yeah. it hasn't been set up that way in a really long time and yeah. and i didn't come from a place of privilege so for me i had to get a fucking job and that's a lot of it too <laughs> yeah no i think that's real my boyfriend went to art school and he speaks really clearly about like he's like when i was in art school i was really clear he went to risd so like top design yeah schools rhode island school of design big deal yeah you know, there's like painters around who are like <laughs> figuring themselves out and he was like oh baby i'm gonna work in a mall like i'm gonna design <laughs> malls like we're going to retail i need to make money i'm not yep. fucking around with this because i think he grew up in a similar way where he was like you need a job like you don't right. get to just like waffle around that's why and, i started in dmp i was going to be yeah. a lighting designer because it was a 97 percent job rate out of that school yeah. or some shit fucking smart it's just math Except that i bailed because i'm colorblind and i was hanging out with you fucks too much yeah you fucking went to the wrong house um <laughs> it worked out but, 
yeah, it worked out. You're in TV. I mean, I think that knowing is really important. And like, I wish, you know, I wish upon all educational environments that they are a little bit more open-minded to that side of it. And that a little bit, you know, like I could have learned to like pay my taxes while I was there. I could have learned about freelancing and set aside money for taxes. I I I had to learn that the first year and lose a bunch of money. Uh, I could have learned how to carry five plates at School of the Arts because I was going to end up doing that for 14 years. (laughs) Like, there's some shit that could have been useful. But um, I think, yeah, the TV world, uh, what I appreciate about all of it from what I know of it, it's like, there's no masquerading. This fucking, like, not-for-profit behaving like a for-profit. like Right, no, we don't do that. Playwrights Horizons is like trying to just keep the fucking lights on, bro. Like mission statement, mission statement, my ass. <laughs> what? Like you guys need money. I get it. And TV is like, we want money. We're here to make money. What story makes money? Like the just like not hiding is something I really appreciate knowing why well, you're to there. to the very top, we know we're, we were paid by these people to make a thing and they get to pick what it is. Yeah. We don't get to like a TV writer doesn't go to the network and go, you don't know this TV show. No, we're paid to write the show they want to put on TV. Yeah. Just tell us what to do. It's yeah. not this whole balance of like, mm-hmm. you know, and especially not reality TV. We do not have that many conversations about ethical standards or well, things like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's rad. <laughs> Uh, no it's we, not guys we, we should gotta, have a little bit more we no, should talk I mean, about I mean, it from time to time well sure maybe but i'm gonna call you after and try and get a job while you're working because that's where it's at <laughs> hey um, man i think you'd be tremendous at it if, if i'm being totally honest i i've said multiple times no like no joke i i really want to i would love to contribute to the school or to any school program that's educating young people who really want to do theater to be like there is this kind of weird avenue of TV that is not narrative. It is reality and documentary, all that kind of stuff. And uh, game shows, all that stuff kind of live in that non-narrative world. It's fucking great money. And you're on set and you're going to meet celebrities and you're going to do all sorts of like interesting shit. You're going to be in LA. You're going to learn the fucking city. You don't have to cater. You can cater. You can also PA. Yeah. And you can, that PA can become associate producer in a fucking no time. And yeah. then you're making a pretty good living. And then, you know what the cool thing is about TV jobs is just like theater jobs. They don't last forever. You're done in three months. So you don't have to worry about the commitment. You know, obviously the catering job is like, you can cancel next week because you have an audition, but just tell yourself, I'm going to take three months off, make a good boatload of money working on, let's make a deal. And then yeah. I'm going to go back to auditioning. Like, yeah. Plan it out and you can not be out of the TV business or not be out of the art business. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, there's a lot of good in that. And that if you're just like doing what you did when you were entering school of the arts and looking at the numbers and going, okay, 97% of lighting designers are working. <laughs> like what's happening right now? There's so much television right now. It's not stopping. Meanwhile, if you look at your theaters, they're like, we had to cancel another show, unfortunately. And like remounting shows that they like started work on six years ago and the last year. And it's like, babe, I get it. This shit takes forever. I make, I produce and direct these shows. Like, don't get me wrong. But I think 
we're about to see a huge resurgence and like MTV is about to fucking slap all over again. MTV mm. is building themselves up and mark my words on this pod. When MTV comes in a couple of years, it's going to trend again. Cause you can see they bought RuPaul's drag race. Cribs is coming back. They have real world road rules kind of like happening again. The old MTV is about to be so primed and ready. When we all turn back and do premium cable again, MTV is going right. to be like, I got you, baby. Like, come right over here. We're queer. We have RuPaul and we have like rancid ass reality TV that you're going to love. So I think it's a smart industry to be working in because it's just who our culture is. It's what we want. And theater is theater has like strangled itself on the EDI conversation at this point that they like can't budge and everyone's working from a place of anxiousness and fear, which is never how any project should be made. That's coming out of lockdown. You guys still have to manage all of the different places that are still putting people through vax and masks and all that different stuff. Yeah. But more so it's just like, everyone's trying to make an ethical workplace, which is rad. But in doing that, they've become so anxious and like our buttholes are so clenched that like nothing's happening. And I think, you know, that'll trend for a while and then we'll find a new, um, model of moving forward but anyway i don't know you should teach them all that lube stuff you learned the lube stuff yeah you were saying earlier it took you a while yeah yeah i do know a lot about lube so anyone can reach out reach out yeah drop your drop your thoughts in the comments below and and gus will get back to you yeah let's talk about anal (laughs) dude (laughs) i'm so glad you did this this was super fun thank you thank you for having me it was very generous well, I feel like, I, I feel like a star I, getting to be on a pod. Well, I have to tell you that uh, sometimes this podcast gets listeners in the double digits. So let's go. Bro. What's up? No, let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for having me. It was good to see you, Rob. It was good to see you too, man. And great to, uh, I would say catch up, but I feel like I really actually got to know you for the first time. So thank you for that. Yeah. This was our first date. The beginning, maybe. 